All right. And we are back again. Sorry about that, guys. My internet went down. I just moved to like a new studio, uh, and that uh, has made things a little bit more uh, difficult. <laughs> but uh, be that as it may, I'm going to make sure that uh, I'm streaming from a different kind of connection in the future. So we're going to get that handled. But thank you all for your patience. Uh, I really appreciate that. And yes, we are back. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't go down again. Uh, so where did we leave off, Mr. Mello? We left off with Heather. Okay, what was her she question said, again? Would SI inferior or SE demon explain why someone doesn't like physical touch if it feels forced and inauthentic, such as a hug, or when too much noise or talking, uh, too many people talking at once drives someone up the wall? Could you elaborate on any sensory issues related to ENTP? Um, I... SI inferior can be like super uncomfortable and usually does not like, they usually don't like giving hugs. They like receiving hugs more so because if they're forced into giving other people hugs, it's kind of like really insincere and fake. It's kind of like, like I was having this conversation with Railgun recently. It's like, okay, yeah, am I going to smile in front of the camera? No, because I have FI trickster and I'm not going to force a smile. Like if I'm genuinely happy in a situation, then I'm going to smile, right? It's just like, you know, asking asking uh, someone with FI Trickster, it's like, oh, hey, you know, smile for the camera. And then, like, I look at the camera, and it's like, yeah, no, not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's literally not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, stay stay out. Um, <laughs> not not going to happen. And that's just, uh, you know, no way. Next from Bell, it says, how does NI hero compare to NI child in the luck aspect? NI child is more divine uh, because it has uh, its own little divinity to it and that innocence, it ends up having higher luck than NI hero. Although NI hero can still get through any obstacle and as much as NI child can, uh, like when it comes to close calls, uh, NI hero can take the brunt of the close call and actually take the hit, but then end up finding a path through taking the hit whereas the NI child can narrowly avoid all of the hits entirely. You know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Goku versus Cell during the Cell games and whether or not like Cell could actually land a hit on him or, other, or otherwise, because they're moving so quickly and are they actually able to like land any blows whatsoever uh, in, in just that sheer speed that's going on, you know, and. Uh, the NI hero uh, will take the hits, but you'll be able to find the path to victory, whereas the NI child, it's like, can't touch this. Dun, dun, dun. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it keeps going in that direction for sure. Cool. Next question comes from Ruminator, and he says, do other sides of your mind gain and lose energy, or is it one overall energy level? Uh, it's kind of, well... It depends. Extroversion, introversion also affects cognitive energy flow. Um, you're, uh, the more you're in your subconscious, your unconscious, the more you become tired and then your ego, it's just, you, it just demands you know, to go back in your ego, for example. Uh, when I'm really uncomfortable in social situations, I end up going ISFJ mode and then I'm like super behind the scenes on a regular basis. Um, and then like when someone introduces themselves to me, then I can go back to my ego and then I'm extroverting and gaining energy. Otherwise, I'm, my energy is being drained consistently as an ISFJ, which can be an issue. Um, so, so yeah, definitely uh, something to be aware of uh, from that standpoint. Cool. 
Next is from Sir Bolin. He says, what is the seduction style of INFJs? What is the seduction style of INFJs? I am no longer going to be answering any seduction style questions because the next uh, Patreon uh, private lecture series are all of the seduction styles of each of the 16 types. I'm hoping to have one lecture out a week. So hopefully you're gonna be doing four uh, Patreon lectures, Patreon private lectures a month, uh, specifically for this new series. Uh, and it is the, uh, what are the, uh, what is the seduction style of the ESTJ all the way down to INFP, etc. cetera, uh, through the type grade. We're gonna be going through each of them and listing out the seduction styles and, and how each type uh, performs a seduction, basically. It's gonna be absolutely fantastic and I'm looking forward to it. We're we representing all nine uh, seduction styles. Say again, Mr. J. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's gonna be fantastic. So if you're not a Patreon member now, get it. <laughs> Get it done now because you don't want to miss any of it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh, ENTPs can be more productive by having more self-discipline. They can gain more self-discipline by uh, developing martial arts and forcing themselves to do things they don't want to do, and developing habits, etc. So, uh, Mr. Miller, what's next? Comes from Celestial. Okay. She says. What advice do you have for an ENTP woman who's been trying not to wear masks and attempting to be their true selves in order to actually feel understood or accepted, if even just by a few select people, only to realize that doing that pushes literally everyone away? Okay, so uh, as people, then why do you have to play fair? Right. Like, seriously, why do you have to play fair? And this is something that the ENTP, you know, ends up having to deal with uh, on a regular basis because it's like, well, you know, everyone unfairly uh, seeks to like not understand me and ends up is, is ends up accusing me of doing things I didn't do on a regular basis. And because of that, they're treating me unfairly. Why am I being held by this moral standard by everyone else to make sure that I'm treating everyone else fairly? Why do I have to be played by the rules when no one else is playing by the rules, etc.? Uh, and that can be uh, that can be a problem. So uh, so based on that, uh, so based on that, you know, it's it, it it can be very complicated. But here's the thing: How do ENTPs do it? So ENTPs have, like, let's actually draw it out here. ENTPs have like this truth pie. You know, it's just, there's this pie, you know, and it's truth, right? And uh, they're only going to give somebody a very small slice of the pie. And this is like the whole truth right here. It's the big picture of this truth pie. And they're gonna give them this slice just to see what a person does with this slice. What do they do with this piece? Uh, and what they're telling this person is true. It's not the whole truth. But then the ENTP is accused of you know, lying by omission because they didn't tell them the whole truth. But from the ENTP's point of view, uh, that person doesn't deserve hearing the whole truth because the ENTP has to be able to trust them with that TI parent because that TI parent may you know potentially alienate them so they have to wear a mask and they wear a mask and telling pieces of the truth because this is the big picture of the entire truth with their ne hero right and uh, what they're able to see and whatnot because they know that people can't handle the metaphysical uh, truth from an any hero ti parent standpoint so based on that you know, uh, it's it's a problem. So the ENTP provides that slice of truth just to see what the person is going to do with it. And if the person handles it well, and that person is able to handle that piece of truth, guess what? That person ends up earning yet another slice. And they end up earning more slices and more slices until finally 
That person is a member of that ENTP's chosen few, one of the very few people that have access to that entire pie, that entire truth from the ENTP's point of view to the point where the ENTP is no longer wearing that mask. This is how it works, right? So with that being said, uh, how, do you, how do you deal with that, right? How do you, how do you deal with, uh, uh, how do ENTPs deal with it? The insincerity ultimately is to protect them. Wearing a mask protects the ENTP because they're punished the most in life when they don't wear the mask, right? And you're only really ever gonna five, maybe five to 10 people that you cannot wear a mask with in your entire life. And that's very normal for ENTPs, like, like accept it. So there's not much you can, you can do, you know, outside of that, right? So, you know, recognize the ENTPs masks are inevitable. And unless they trust you completely, there's really not much you can do. And this is why, you know, ENTPs, especially in relationships, you know, uh, they have to be able to 100% trust you, you know, like, so my relationship with Railgun, for example, I, she's definitely one of the very few people, like I could probably count the people that I trust 100% in my life, probably on one hand, basically. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, my relationship with her, I, I do trust her 100%, absolutely 100%, hands down. And she's just a representation of some of the very, very few people that I don't have to wear a mask around at all. And I don't wear a mask around her in the least. Uh, but with others, I definitely do wear a mask. Uh, and some people, it's like, you know, they get really surprised. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, that that person, you know, uh, wow, you're actually wearing a little bit of a mask on that person, you know, and then it's like, well, yeah. And, uh, and then they ask me, well, why are you doing that? I thought you were friends. And then I'm like, well, and then I tell a story about how six years prior, they screwed me, you know, and I never forgot about that. And because of that, they have yet to prove or even take responsibility for their actions with what they did to me in that area, which is why they don't get the whole chase, basically. And that's, that's literally what it comes down to. So if you don't want your ENTP doing that, maybe you should start exhibiting trusting behavior. You know, the virtue of the INTJ that is often rarely portrayed in as much as the virtue of the ENTP is often rarely portrayed. There's a reason for that, folks. So anyway, next question. I can't hear you, a sound dropped. Um, did my sound drop? Let's see here. There we go. Can hear you again. I can hear you both. I can hear you both. Oh, mellow sound dropped. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Mellow sound dropped. Hashtag technical difficulties. Gonna have to uh, take uh, you know take the L on that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I still can't hear Mr. Mello. No, uh, you want to you want to rejoin? Uh, you want to rejoin the thing? Go ahead and leave and rejoin. Okay, just try again. Yeah, that should do it. I think. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, let's, let's try again. You'll just click the link and then we'll go back in that. So. Oh, actually, I don't make infinite money from Patreon, and uh, I would love to have fiber internet. Uh, like, from a Patreon standpoint, guys, like, just so you guys know, I don't actually make any money, and I've never made a single cent on any of this. I got, like, like around 10 people uh, working for CSJ as a company. 
those are the people that get the money and what we're developing and doing content wise. Do you think I get actually any money from the super chats or the ad revenue or the Patreon income? I get zero. I'm like, I'm basically a slave at my own company. Just so you guys know, like I don't make any money doing this. I don't. So uh, I am I am feeding other people that work for me, but I don't actually make any money. So like if you guys have this like perception that I'm actually like rolling in the dough on this, I'm not like I don't know where you or anyone is like getting that standpoint. I make zero money off of this and, and doing any of this. I'm doing this all in my free time and on my spare time. So it would be nice if I could turn this into a full-time gig, but I got other people who are depending on me and, uh, and this company, and I, I have many mouths to feed, and you know, a, a real CEO, a real CEO pays other people first. You know, they pay themselves last. I remember hearing like this one thing on Oprah years ago. It's like, oh, you know, pay yourself first. You know, like, okay, that's a very ENTJ concept, but that's not really how it goes. I'm sorry, but CEOs actually eat last. And that's really how, that's how you separate the men from the boys in terms of CEOs. I, I don't, I don't make any money doing this. So if you guys like believe that I do, <laughs> you're sadly mistaken. Uh, just so you guys know. Um, anyway, uh, can we hear you again, Mr. Mello? Uh, I, yeah. You can hear him, Jay? Yeah. Yes, I can. Say something again, Mel. Let's see. I have a Verizon commercial. Oh, there we go. Verizon commercial. Cool. Let's get this going. What's next? All right. Cookie says, would a second highest compatibility type still be considered a golden pair? For example, ISFJ and ISFP. If not, is it a relationship worth having in the long run? Okay, ISFP plus ISFJ. Yes, it is. Uh, it's not a golden pair, but it's still within their appropriate uh, quadras. So they have that quadra relationship. And according to uh, the social compatibility matrix provided in season 12 uh, playlist of this uh, YouTube channel, they are uh, second highest total social compatibility. Definitely a relationship I highly recommend uh, for romantic relationship or otherwise. They have super high compatibility. But remember, relationships are based on nature versus nurture and a combination of the two. But nature is primary, nurture is secondary, but nurture can be super powerful, especially uh, under certain circumstances. Uh, if they're later in life, uh, the wiser a person is, the more that they can understand people and how people work, and the more that they lived longer, their nurture can actually be utilized to much greater effect to have relationships with lower compatibilities. Another thing that makes a difference, uh, age gaps. Age gaps are also another uh, reason as to why uh, relationships with potentially low compatibility could also work as well uh, because of... Um, you know, uh, long suffering or maturity or just more experience with people in general. Uh, also understanding the science uh, and to, to every, with every facet gives you the ability uh, to reach true understanding of people. And if you can have that, then you could potentially have a relationship even with your lowest compatibility type just as a result of having that uh, that uh, that understanding and being able to have love so high for some so uh, that is so high for somebody that you can actually you know uh, easily 
easily sustained in relationship with them as a result of having that high level of understanding. And, uh, and it just goes to show that any relationship is possible. It really comes down to how much effort are you willing to put into it? Uh, are you willing to have like that, 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 quality, uh, that quality investment in an individual? Or are you gonna be one of those people who are very quantity focused, right? And having as many relationships as possible. It's kind of funny, like um, I've been criticized recently for like, uh, you know, using my Discord server to uh, like pick up women on the internet, which I find is absolutely hilarious to me uh, because like, uh, let's be honest, like I have not had that many uh, sexual relationships uh, in my life, especially like compared to other ENTPs. Like take, take, take Benjamin Franklin, for example, and the amount of sexual relationships he had, you know, there's rumors that it was in the hundreds uh, for him, you know, having sexual relationships uh, with various women. Uh, like, no, like not, 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 not in my life. You know, I, I remember some recently, you know, someone in the YouTube comments accused me of being an involuntary celibate, for example. Right. And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, that's, uh, you know, while that's not true, it's like, okay, I, you know, people like to believe that I'm like some kind of man whore or something, you know, and, and that's just not the case, you know, like I really stick to the principles outlined in season four playlist of this channel when it comes to my approaches to relationships, when I'm talking about how intimate relationships actually work, right? And some people just don't really get it. They don't understand that. Um, so I, I just think that's hilarious. Um, anyway, I think I saw a super chat come by. Is that true? Yeah, we do. You're muted. Yeah, here we go. Sorry about that. Um, pull it up here real quick. Uh, yes, from uh, Bubba Fat sixty nine. Uh, actually, he's a. Uh, th that's a typing question. So Bubba he wants us to type Norm McDonald. We're going to save that to the next uh, typing session. But we do have a another super chat from Nora During. She says, I'm in love. I feel nauseous. When I distract myself and then think of him, I almost lose consciousness. Uh, INFJ, I feel I lose it. Am I, uh, I am obsessive. Help. Um, so let me. Uh, Can you translate? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that Nora is saying that she is an INFJ. Okay. And she's in love with someone, but the intensity of that love is so um, strong. She feels nauseous. Uh, she tries to distract herself, but can't. Uh, she feels like she's losing it. And she's asking, is she obsessive? And is that essentially possible? How can she get some help? Oh, okay. Yeah. So that comes from NI passion. Um, NI users end up having passion, and in some cases, it can be absolutely overwhelming. It's especially overwhelming for uh, NI heroes um, and and also NI inferior, uh, because the uh, the amount of passion produced by those both those functions, because NI inferior is a gateway function, when it becomes aspirational, the passion is unmatched by anyone of the other types. There is no more passion, like no one can be more passionate in a relationship than NI inferior, quite frankly. Uh, and that's because they're, uh, they're aspiring with because, uh, and they can outpassion anyone, but NI hero also has, et cetera. But, uh, and that's why, you know, as an INFJ, that's super high NI hero passion, it almost seems like uncontrollable or, or, or obsessive. And quite honestly, it is. 
It really is. But it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Like people, people accuse other people of having, uh, like, for example, uh, I get accused all the time of falling in love too quickly in relationships. That's, that's actually been a, a huge uh, um, criticism that I've received. But if you look at it this way, what happens if society and everyone in society knew uh, Jungian analytical psychology to the level that I knew it, where everyone was able to reach such, such a super high level of understanding with each other uh, such that, and then as a result of having that understanding uh, with each other, uh, is there really a such thing as falling in love too fast? Is there really a such thing uh, if, if, if that's the new societal standard? The answer to that question is no, there is no such thing at that point. Because just like Ender Wiggins said in Ender's Game, and he said, quote, you know, when I'm fighting my enemy, and I'm going against my enemy, I'm paraphrasing here, but when I'm fighting my enemy, I have to seek to understand my enemy, to know my enemy, uh, such that, and I, and I reach such a high level of understanding of my enemy that I actually come to love my enemy. And when I love my enemy, I can absolutely annihilate my enemy, right? And that's, that's, that's the true power of the ENTP, because Ender Wigan is an ENTP, by the way, for all those out there that think he's an INTJ, LOL, you're wrong, he's an ENTP. And you can watch uh, the portrayal of Ender Wigan in the actual Ender's Game movie with Harrison Ford. That is an ENTP, uh, that is not uh, an INTJ. Um, but um, so Ender, Ender Wigan, you know, as, as, a, as an ENTP strategist with very INTJ shadow focused uh, as a result, um, you know, trying to uh, prevent all possible future outcomes with combat using the little doctor on the formic race, et cetera, within the story and how he just absolutely annihilates them. And it's because he's able to reach a high level of understanding of that person with his TE child or his FE child and hero to be able to reach that level of understanding, right? Yep. So uh, anyway, back to, uh, back to Ender's Game. Um, like it's all, it's from an any hero standpoint, it's like, it's all about having that high level of understanding, you know, uh, because that high level of understanding is absolutely key. Uh, because without that high level of understanding, you know, Ender Wigan would have not have been able to defeat the Formics and he absolutely annihilated them to the point where they, they, he committed Xenocide. Look up Xenocide, the book Xenocide is also very famous. It's book three in the series with Speaker of the Dead actually being book two of the series. And in my opinion, book two is the most important uh, because it's basically a eulogy for the sins committed by Ender Wigan from the book of Ender's Game. But Xenocide, it's also, uh, you know, something, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's important. Uh, Ender Wigan came to realize the consequences of his actions. And then through that, you know, he's like, well, it's my duty to try to, you know, save the formic race. And he was given the opportunity for redemption. ENTPs have this thing where they're constantly seeking redemption because their ISFJ subconscious carries you know a lot of regrets with them but they're able to find a high level of understanding with other people so when you live in a society where you have understandings this norm because everyone understands the science and it's so mainstream and everyone understands each other there is no such thing as falling in love too fast like that's a lie that's really it's a bullshit affiliative lie affiliative nf affiliative sj lie there's no such thing as falling in love too quick it's really, it can literally be that logical, you know, to the point where you can get to a point uh, where you can corner somebody, get into their face and just be like, hey, do you love me? And then are they going to tell you the truth? Or are they going to answer? That's another question. Are they even going to answer? But if they do answer and they actually say yes, you know, uh, are, are you going to make that choice? 
Are you going to honor that? You see, that's that's the real question you really want to ask yourself, right? But that's that's where it comes from. At the end of the day, it's all about you know, it's all about understanding yourself and understanding others. Do you understand yourself? Do you really understand yourself? Do you understand every facet of yourself? Uh, do you really understand other people? Like how much about how much do you know you? How much do you know them? This is why in the Matrix, in the first Matrix film, uh, the Oracle talking to Keanu Reeves says, "Know thyself." That is absolutely critical. You have to know thyself. If you want to learn how to know yourself, watch season six playlist on this uh, channel. It's called the four pillars of self-intimacy. That is the path with which you take, you achieve the four pillars so that you come to know thyself. Also watch season 13 and season four while you're at it, the human nurture uh, lectures. So, um, so yeah, uh, what's, what's next? Cool. So there is a bit of a longer question here. There's a video attached. I sent you that. Okay. Uh, so the question runs, so I take it that you are very familiar with Native American culture. When the man in the video talks about two-spirited people, implying they have both a male and female spirit, is that supposed to directly correlate to any and SE, since he also mentions that two-spirited people assume mastery over the physical and spiritual realms? It would make a lot of sense if this were so, but I just wanted you to verify this idea and gain further understanding as to how Native American lore, presumably in an unconscious manner, intersects principles of Jungian psychology. Okay, um, I'll answer that uh, in a second, but uh, Marky Mark made a point in the chat. He says, but it is often creepy when someone falls in love with you right away, and knowing little about them actually works against your point, Chase, just saying. Thank you, Marky Mark. I wonder if that has anything to do with the filter provided by your own ego or your own type. That's not a standard for everyone else. That's a standard for yourself, right? Whereas if you think about it, any hero or even any inferior types, they want to be wanted. They want to be wanted by other people, okay? So it doesn't necessarily really matter what the intention is uh, per se and if they're actually real. And, you know, a lot of people can exhibit behaviors, you know, as a result to find out and verify whether or not that's real to begin with. You know, so it doesn't work against my point because it doesn't apply to everybody. It may apply to you, but that does not apply to everybody. Uh, so uh, to answer the actual question about someone spirited, uh, I think uh, that person in the video, uh, and I haven't watched it, by the way, I'm not, I don't like watching videos for uh, Q&A sessions. I can do images, but not videos. Uh, as someone who is spirited and described by that, I think they're talking about like the masculine and the feminine being attached uh, to the different sides of the mind. And perhaps they're a little bit more integrated. And that's why it seems they're able to master the physical and the metaphysical simultaneously. And I think that's the answer it's getting. Uh, otherwise, I, I'm really not sure, so. And we've got a super chat, Chase. Awesome. Um, this is from Joseph House. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, would you also say that falling in love quickly and moving fast in a relationship is a sign of movement? Uh, it can definitely be a sign of movement, but uh, I've I've noted uh, control types doing it. Actually, I have an ENTJ friend, uh, an ENTJ friend of mine, uh, good guy. Uh, his name is uh, his name is Conrad, uh, uh, and. Uh, he he always would tell me stories about the about his past and and definitely I've I've noted a lot of ENTJs who fall in love super super quick, and uh, I actually have had the opportunity to coach a few ENTJs, um, uh, I, and it was weird. It was two couples uh, in, uh, in in all of my coaching years, uh, two different couples. 
Uh, one was an ENTJ woman uh, with an INTP male in, the, in one relationship, and another one was an ENTJ man uh, with an INFP woman in another relationship. And uh, what was really interesting about them is, is that they basically, the, e, the ENTJs both actually proposed to their, um, uh, to their spouses on day one. Literally day one, and they got married on day one. And these people, one relationship was married for 11 years. The other one was married for 17 years, okay? So again, wow. like, uh, these are these are ENTJs, okay? Triple control, right? So movement versus control, not necessarily a true thing there. Because NI parent, it knows what it wants. It knows what it wants. It knows what it wants. It's going to make the decision. It knows what it wants, okay? So, like, it, it really has nothing to do with, uh, with the interaction style. It really doesn't. So, awesome. Uh, and uh, I, we are not uh, typing uh, McDonald's. Uh, we can save that for uh, the next, because uh, I don't know what his type is. This is not a how to type stream. This is a, a question and answer stream. Uh, so we'll save that for the, how, the next how to type uh, lecture. So let's write that down, uh, that McDonald one. Um, so cool. Uh, so yeah, oh, if that's Christopher, Cro is that Christopher Cross uh, super chat? Uh, I believe it was. He had originally just sent the uh, the donation, if I remember right. Okay, can we can we have him actually change that to a question or ask him if he'd be willing to wait till the uh, how to type the next how to type stream uh, to be able to get that handled? Let's uh, let's let's work with him on this one. We, will. we have another super chat coming in, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yes, we do, and. Um, this is from uh, Rami Fakhri, how to develop the function of the same nature as the hero, but of opposite direction. I think you call it critic. Um, for instance, TE for the INTP. So I think he's talking cognitive orbit here. Oh, so like uh, the, the TI hero versus, uh, uh, versus the, uh, the TE uh, nemesis. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So how do you um, how do you uh, do that? So um, okay, so uh, so how to develop T? So you have to change TE Nemesis into TE Ally, basically. And the reason why is is that the TE Nemesis can team up with the TI Hero to actually uh, you know form together and attack uh, external threats, essentially. Instead of being at odds with oneself, uh, they're able to team up with each other and handle things indefinitely. You want TE Nemesis to become TE Ally. And this is talked about in uh, Season 16, Episode 5, I believe. Um, uh, season 16, Episode 5 uh, should have the answer uh, to that. But really, you want to turn that Nemesis function into an ally. And really, the number one easy way of really just describing how that even works, it's all about, um, let's see here. Um, it's all about, oh, that's it, uh, getting over one's concern uh, and, uh, and worry. Like, it's literally just stop worrying that other people around you are not very intelligent. Or, uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? I think you had a... We had a, an interesting way of, of defining TE nemesis behavior. Uh, would you like to offer a comment on that in terms of like how uh, to how to like uh, get it to stop worrying and being concerned? 
Um, actually, I was, yeah, let me think about this a second. Um, it is, um, well, it's, it's, it, it's the gateway into the shadow, right? It's, um, we have to have it, uh, mature. Um, so TE, um, Hmm. I'm not sure I got a good answer for you here. Oh, that's fine. Uh, so like, uh, how, let me, let me actually ask the question a different way. Um, so how would you see TE nemesis reach a development path into becoming an ally, given what we know about how the nemesis behaves in a negative way as a nemesis? Hopefully I didn't drop the frames again. Oh, you didn't. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking here. <laughs> um, gosh. Uh, I, um, I may have to defer to you on this one. Oh, that's fine, man. Uh, so, so like, um, I think, um, because when we're when people are like you know like how much concern actually does like an INTP you know think like how much do they concern themselves with the thoughts of other people right so like you know how like so so Jay you you're very equipped to handle FITE users especially because you're affiliative you're also interest based and you are aware of how like someone's reputation or someone someone may lose status basically just even in as simple as having a conversation with somebody right 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 so i uh, wouldn't you agree that an INTP you know with TE nemesis right would actually end up having some benefit realizing that there actually is some value to reputation and some value to status and actually seek to conduct themselves in such a way where they can gain a little bit more for themselves so that their TI hero, which while they are correct, also has the benefit of a really good reputation and really good status to boot as well when turning it into an ally function. What, what, what would you think well, in terms of that? Regard? Well, yeah, I think, I think, Um, or can um, um, uh, cause the uh, one's reputation Sorry, for some there reason you it dropped again. Yeah. <laughs> oh. We'll definitely get that cord. Uh, we'll definitely uh, get that cord run to get that fixed. It doesn't happen again. Right. But at least we didn't lose the stream entirely this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, reputation. Um, it. it uh, I'm struggling with it. That's all good. It's all good. Uh, well, I mean, as long as as long as you know, from from an ally standpoint, you know, like uh, if 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 the TE nemesis stops like 
because they either just automatically assume that there is no value to reputation or status, et cetera, and then all of a sudden they're able to recognize that it actually can be more useful in a social situation and position themselves in such a way where they can actually be more supportive to people with like FE inferior, I think that is pretty valuable. And that's one way that people can use, uh, you know, TE nemesis to actually improve others, et cetera. And that's, you know, what I would recommend uh, to that end. Um, but fair enough, uh, all good. Uh, uh, what's, uh, there was, um, I think, uh, Christopher, uh, Craw actually defined a specific question in the YouTube, uh, chat. Uh, can we find that question? I uh, just scroll up in there and see if we can I identify, uh, the contents of his super chat. Yeah. Um, Melo, are you able to do that? I'm, uh, I do not have YouTube open right now. I don't either. Let's see. I wonder if he's on the Discord server. Let's see if we can get there to it. Um, Chase, if you'd like, we do have another super chat. Yeah, let's like do that while, while, Mello's, uh, while Mello's looking for it. Yeah. All right, this is from Helen Jung. Helen, thank you um, for this awesome stream. Uh, she's contributing in that ENTP sincerity. Thank you, Chase. So oh, it's yeah. You're very welcome, Helen. Uh, thank you for, uh, for being uh, one of our audience members and being here consistently with us. Uh, that, that's very, uh, uh, we very much appreciate you. Um, uh, any, any other Super Chats we got going? No, that's it. We, uh, we could use a few more. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we can use a few more. Uh, we do. Uh, we super chats, you know, are quite popular during the the uh, the uh, typing streams. Um, but we've got them covered so far tonight. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So we found. Oh, this here question. it is. Uh, what is the connection between learning styles and MBTI cognitive functions? With example, regards to learning languages. I think I'm an INTJ. Uh, yes, there is a connection between learning styles and cognitive functions. Uh, so uh, thank you for posting the questions, uh, Christopher. Uh, now, there's a lot of different learning styles, uh, but like, so for example, uh, let's look at TE, right? And I actually had a discussion uh, with this yesterday with Railgun uh, about, um, about, you know, uh, TE and uh, mathematics, right? And, you know, People have different learning styles, but what happens when a TI user is learning uh, mathematics, you know? Because TI user is all about like problem solving. So it's actually solving actual problems, but then you're confronted with like, uh, you know, math homework or math problems that are specific around like, hey, uh, write this uh, binomial and rewrite it as a polynomial. It's a conversion, right? So it's not, you're not actually solving a problem. You're just converting it into another form right? That you're converting the equation or the expression into a different form. And then the thing is, is that mathematics ends up having its own language. It ends up having its own dictionary, its own way of saying everything. And uh, which is extremely confusing to TI users because TI users are just there to solve a problem instead of convert it, you know, into an, you know, from expression to another expression, because that's just all very TE, right? It's not going to help at all, uh, and uh, it's not—it's not really—it's not really 
you know, conducive to that. This is why TE users, uh, as, you know, are able to get through uh, mathematics education more so than TI users, because often mathematics education is like, we just want you to learn lingo. See, literally TE in mathematics, it's actually math literature, whereas TI is about math problem solving. That's really the difference, right? So when you look at it in terms of learning styles, you got to understand that each cognitive function, the way how, and each cognitive axis and each cognitive orbit themselves uh, are actually in favor of certain learning styles. So the, the answer to your question is yes, there is a way to do it. Um, do I know which specifically? I need to sit down and actually look at the cognitive functions and learning styles and read a book on learning styles. If you have a book that really identifies learning styles uh, and really gets pretty deep on it, uh, by all means, recommend it to me. Uh, send me, shoot me a message on Discord, on my Lightfoot or my Frankie Overwood account, or uh, you know, send a message through Instagram or just email me. I'd, I'd be happy to hear it because that sounds like some really good content that we would want to uh, put up for sure. So, all right, we've got a super chat come in from Matt T. A donation. Thank you, Matt. But no question. So, Matt, again. he did have a question. Oh, oh, okay. Did. Good. Good. He, he mistyped it. Says. Any advice for an INTJ wanting to develop FE? Uh, yes, uh, um, there is some advice. If you want to develop your FE trickster, you need to learn cognitive uh, emulation. Uh, also, the other way uh, of doing it, um, you need to also have a friendship with an ISTJ, a really deep friendship of some kind. Uh, and get exposed to other people who have FI child, but at least you know make them an ISTJ because you also have that SI hero in play. And then, and by understanding this ISTJ's FI child, uh, you can actually start to understand that you have to, in order to maintain that friendship with them, behave ethically because they are holding you to a higher standard, right? And you use the divinity of this child function specifically in the ISTJ type in order to help you develop your own trickster function. Uh, so uh, that's just a nice little tidbit out there for how to develop your trickster function. I'll be going in way more depth on to how that works in the future. So uh, it's pretty, pretty cool uh, to actually have that. So uh, you heard it here first, folks, uh, when talking about developing uh, your trickster function. So, so cool. What's next? Cassowary in questions for CS Joseph says, what should an INFJ do if they were to become a teacher? Any tips? Uh, basically focus on making your students strong. Uh, don't you need to also respect the pragmatic students. Stop trying to enforce uh, INFJ for a teacher, and it can be a real struggle. My son is an INFJ as a teacher, and it can be a real struggle for sure. Um, so yeah, Ooh, keep dropping frames. Not not fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next question comes from Della, and it says, "Why are certain interaction styles non-existent, such as informative responding movement?" Uh, I have already answered this question in the past on a previous episode, but it it's really comes down to the cognitive functions. It's for the same reason that we don't have, uh, you know, NI and NE in the same ego, or we don't have uh, TI and TE in the same top four functions. It it's really comes down to cognitive axes and cognitive orbit and how the functions themselves are paired up and placed together. 
and orbiting each other like an atom. And that's the reason why uh, the interaction styles are structured the way they are and the other ones are non-existent. So. All right, we've got a, a super chat here, uh, Chase. Okay. All right, this is from Meta S. Thank you, Meta. Um, have you read Iron John? It's referenced in No More Mr. Nice Guy and has a lot of the same themes, but from a more intuitive angle and explained through exploring ancient myths. Uh, just thought I'd mention it because it seemed right up your alley. I have read it. Uh, Chase has been a long time ago, um, but I have read it. Yeah, how, how'd that go for you? Because I haven't read it at all. Yeah, I, um, it was. it's a very good book. It was quite popular when it came out. Um, and... and um, uh, Meta is correct. It was it it it, it was kind of contemporary with the original publishing of No More Mr. Nice Guy. Um, I need to go back and read it again. I think it's been just a long time. All but right, I'd, yeah, folks, I'd recommend it for for folks to read. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe I'll read it as well. Uh, I'm gonna add that uh, down here. Awesome. And then we've got one more uh, from Ken Trud. Okay. Uh, what can an ENTP learn from Iron Man? Oh, yes. Uh, what can an ENTP uh, learn from Iron Man? Ooh, alarm's going off. The uh, It's funny, we're talking about Iron Man, and that's the iron alarm. Uh, so, um, from a... Uh, basically, uh, don't settle. Don't settle, and uh, realize that there's always a path forward. Um, and... Uh, uh, sometimes the answer to all of your questions is just right in front of you uh, as well. And uh, don't really concern yourself with how other people think. Uh, just really don't. Just keep move, being who you are and moving forward uh, no matter what. Um, and that's kind of uh, you know where, where I'd go with it, honestly. Uh, the other thing is, is that I honestly really take time to read the 48 laws of power and also the 33 strategies of war by Robert Greene and then apply them to Tony Stark directly and see which ones he fails at, which ones he's successful at. I think that would give you a better picture at it uh, because uh, there are some times where he says too much or there's other times he says too little. I mean, any human being is, could be in balance because we're kind of incomplete like that. You know, we're not perfect, but at the same time, like you can kind of see some of his faults. Um, uh, I actually talk about Iron Man at length in my INTJ ENTP Golden Pair Lecture, which is season 14, episode 7. I highly recommend that because it's very Avengers-oriented, and uh, I think uh, it may answer your question even further. So, um, cool. Uh, so, with that being said, um, we're actually going to be probably uh, uh, taking this down. Is there any more Super Chats, or are we good to go? We are good on the super chats. We've got them all covered. All right, cool. Uh, I'll take like one or two uh, YouTube questions real quick uh, from the audience on in the YouTube chat. So, uh, what do you guys have? Uh, any any questions to end the night with? Uh, real quick, uh, we'll kind of go from there. If no one has any questions, then we'll probably close down the stream. Uh, but yeah, um, what what do we got going on? If I keep getting. My phone keeps going off. <laughs> so definitely need to uh, fix my internet connection, which we will get fixed. Honestly, I need a new modem. That's my issue. Like the modem itself needs to be replaced and I'm definitely going to be uh, replaced. Yeah. 
So Red Adventurer says, which MBTI t types can be the jack of all trades? And uh, the answer to that is very easy. It is the ISTP, is the no most notorious jack of all trades. And uh, definitely. Whereas the INTJ is often considered the jack of all trades, but it's actually the master of any skill provided it's actively using that skill. If it's not actively using that skill, then, they're not, then they don't have any skill mastery. So just uh, be aware of that. But it's mostly between ISTP and INTJ uh, in terms of... Uh, and can uh, ENTPs be good at parkour? Yes, they can if they have a high enough developed uh, SI... Um, SI uh, inferior where they're taking consistent leaps leaps of faith also there any hero could be used to determine all paths if there's other people around them doing parkour with them because they're aware of the, they're aware of the fates of people around them which is providing their mind additional intel as to where to put their bodies based on the people with them but if they're doing it by themselves it can be a bit problematic uh, because their any hero is not able to utilize the fates of people around them to develop their own fate for anti nemesis uh, awesome. If different countries have different types for their societies, does that influence stereotypes about people of, of said nationality? Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. Uh, what types are most aggressive and what types are most conflict avoiding? Uh, SI child uh, and I'd say SI parents probably avoid conflict the most, although I have seen SI heroes avoid conflict. And the types that are most uh, aggressive uh, definitely STP NFJ Quadra is by far the most aggressive and the most passive are STJ and NFP Quadra. Um, are, are NTPs the best TI users at investing? No, 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 they are not. Um, and uh, not sure how reliable the study is, but it was found INTJs make up 5% of the Singaporean population where it's like that 2% uh, of the US population. I'm not entirely sure that's true. Uh, we don't have those data and statistics yet, but eventually uh, this company will be able to produce them. So we're getting, we're working on that. Uh, so yeah, awesome. I think that's it for the night, gentlemen. Uh, and I'm glad that the stream didn't go down. We were able to keep it going. So part two of episode 30. Um, thank you all uh, for being here. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mello and uh, Mr. J uh, for being with us uh, this evening. And uh, great job, everybody. And uh, we will uh, see you guys on the next stream, um, and uh, which should be sooner than uh, later. I got the new studio here. I'm gonna be filming again. Don't forget, we have the new Patreon series about the seductive styles and the 16 types. We're gonna be exploring Robert Greene's Art of Seduction, uh, as well as each seductive style and approach of each of the 16 types, which will be very, very fun and interesting. If you wanna get ahead of that, please subscribe to our Patreon Gold at patreon.com forward slash csjoseph. Uh, we definitely need your money to keep the lights on. Be advised, I'm not making any money on this. Like you're literally paying to feed the people that uh, are helping put all of this together uh, for this community. Uh, and uh, they're very much 